Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden, a Jets X-Factor. I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me as per usual. And what a weekend it was for the New York Jets being able to pull off a miracle 13-point comeback to beat the Cleveland Browns right at the end with less than two minutes left. We saw some amazing play from Garrett Wilson. We saw some great play from Joe Flacco. The defense stepped up when they needed to. Some absolute heroics on special teams from Braden Mann converting a fake punt early in the game kicking the win uh, onside kick to get them the ball back at the end. This was one of the most exciting and crazy Jets games that I can remember in recent memory. Lamont, as a former player, what was it like for you watching that game, seeing them fight and seeing them be able to come back? Man, it was, it was, it was like an emotional roller coaster. Um, I'm just saying throughout the game, like, just keep it close, keep it close, keep it close. Um, Early on, the, 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 the first thing that I saw was, just looking back on the entire game, I, I was just really happy with how the defense played. Like I was really encouraged with the way the defense played and the, the, the defense won this game. I mean, I know you look up and you say the score is 31 to 30, you know, and yes, there are things to improve on, but we came into this game saying that, hey, you know, Jacoby Brissett has to be the one to beat you. Now, with that said, he was 22 for 27. Oh yeah, Brissett played really well. Credit where it's due, he played well. Yeah. He played well, but at the end of the day, you know, you held Nick Chubb to under 100 yards, Kareem Hunt to under 100 yards. And coming into the game, the big thing that I wanted, and I think I finished on this, was tackling. Those guys flew to the ball, did a great job of tackling. And I take my hat off to Clemens and the defensive ends because they did a great job of stringing some of these plays out. They didn't allow Chubb to really get his shoulders going. And in, in the secondary, Yes, there were a couple of times, maybe some poor angles, things of that nature, but there was nothing cowardly about the way this jet secondary performed when it came to coming up and making tackles. So first and foremost, the emotional roller coaster that I went on was brought on by just good job defense. Oh no, what's the penalty? Why are we not going no huddle? And then all of these different things. And so when you have games like that and your team gets to win, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a great feeling. Yeah, it is a great feeling. And as Jets fans uh, throughout the country, uh, you know, the world, anybody else, anyone that's a fan of this team knows that we don't get this great feeling that often. It is very, very unlikely that the Jets are the team to pull off the miracle, not to have the miracle happen to them. I'm sure yeah. just going back the last few years, we remember Adam Gase against the Raiders, Greg Williams calling cover zero in the last second, they get a bomb to Henry Ruggs to win the game. Last mm-hmm. year against Tampa, 
Tom Brady leads them down with 35 seconds left or whatever it was in the game and throws a game winning touchdown after they played fantastic. The Jets aren't the team that that makes things happen at the end like that. And so it was so amazing to have them be the team to do it for once and pull out the win and and keep fighting until the very end, literally till the very end, the last play of the game. You know, you couldn't ask for much more from the team overall. And We've said it before, Lamont, but I'm going to go back to it. It goes back to the top, and it starts with Robert Sala. To have the team, Jets teams of years past, down 13 points with a minute and 55 seconds left, they would have already been walking out of the stadium. They wouldn't have even gotten to 13 down with minute 55 left. They would have been blown out by the third quarter. The second they got down by two scores, it would have been game over. The resolve and the grit and the belief in this team and this roster to never slow down, to never quit, to never give up, to always believe in themselves because their coaches believe in them first and they believe in each other. That stands for a lot, and I think there's a lot of credit that goes to it. You had mentioned tackling, and I've seen a lot of people say that tackling wasn't that good because they're looking at the final total, and they're looking, I think it was 17 total missed tackles from the game. I would say probably 10 of them came on the last Browns drive when mm-hmm. Kareem yeah. Hunt was running the ball like a man inspired and was refusing to go down. And to be completely fair, the jets were getting contact on him one or two yards at the line of scrimmage. And he was fresh while the defense was tired and he was able to keep fighting and churning and pick up extra yards through most of the game. I thought they tackled. Well, I thought they had very solid gap control. There was very few times. Was there just a wide open lane? The second Chubb gets the ball and Chubb, the type of running back that he is, he has some speed. He has some explosiveness, but he's a between the tackles guy. First and foremost, he's a get your shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, get up field and run through people. And if he's got a lane that's wide open, he's going to take it. He's not going to dance. He's not going to bounce. He's not going to waste any time. He's going to hit that hole hard. The few times that that happened, it was good gains for Nick Chubb. I know he had about a 22-yard run in the middle of the game. He had another one uh, that was called back for a hold up the right side. That was a good run. But the Jets did a really good job of making him have to wait to pick his hole. They did a really good job of being controlled in their gaps, coming downhill, like you said, in the secondary, and and taking away any free lanes for him to to explode through. And you limit their excellent running back to smaller gains throughout most of the drive it allowed them like you said to keep the game close it allowed them to stay in the game they were in this game the entire time outside of the last few minutes of miracle heroics well they were still in it apparently so even then when it looked bad they were still in it there was no point that the jets were completely and totally outclassed outmatched weren't just as in my opinion competitive than the browns were on sunday and that bolds a lot going forward for the future. Let's get to the topic of the day, the emergence of Garrett Wilson, the rookie. 102 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown right at the end with 22 seconds left. Last week in Baltimore, Wilson didn't play as much. They were The coaches were supposedly easing him in, get, letting him kind of learn, not try and overwhelm him to, beginning, to begin his career. After that game, uh, Reporting from Connor Hughes over at SNY, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and Michael Flora got together and had a meeting and all together collectively said, we got to get 17 the ball. We got we to gotta feed this kid. He's too talented not to. He's too good not to be on the field. We got to make him a focal point. And that's what happened this week. He was their leader in targets. He had 14 targets on the day. Like I said already, at eight catches for 102 and two scores. And a game winner, when the lights are the brightest, when 
now the focus is on you and you're the 10th pick in the draft and you go out and have your best performance of your career when you get more opportunities that bodes really well for the future i loved what i saw from garrett wilson i think he's uh, i think he's starting his ascent by the end of the year we're going to be talking about him like one of the 15 best receivers in the nfl and everyone's going to be looking at him going into year two going the jets got a real weapon on the outside yeah you know when the jets scored when we scored the first touchdown they lined up in a twin set and then they motioned and they left Jared isolated mm-hmm. by with some press coverage. I said, here comes the fate. Yep. And 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 I'm excited about this kid right here. As we talked on the show, I had him as my number one wide receiver coming out in the draft. And, and he's showing it. He fits perfect with the pieces that were already here. When you think about Berrios, when you think about Moore, and you think about Davis and, and, and Carter. Um, I think that he is he is he is the go-to guy. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's Flacco right now, but if he continues to do what he's doing right now, a in the red zone, he's a problem. He's going to go up and try to get the ball. He's a problem. He has great routes. All the things that we've talked about before, he's showing. He's just going to have to keep working through some of the rookie things, learning learning the NFL, you know, speed, the pace the different coverages, things of that nature. But this guy's a dog, man. He is a dog. And when called upon, upon, he just goes out there and makes plays. And it's good when you see top draft picks. They come to the NFL, and you can see them doing the same things that got them there in the first place. So my head goes off to him. And and there's so much to talk about with this game. But with the job that he's doing, it's just going to open everything up. It's going to open everything else up for everybody else. And it's going to give Brees Hall more and more time to get his legs under him, to get the timing of the run game behind him, things of that nature. And as long as they can just continue to fight the way they fought in this game, the future is definitely going to look bright for this team. Yeah, it really, really will. You know, for the first time in a long time, and we said this leading up for months over the summer, the Jets have a dangerous collection of skill players. They have speed everywhere. They have talent everywhere. It's not just, you know, having guys that are all really fast. They got guys that are all really fast and are talented players. They can make plays with the ball in space. They can make people miss that know how to run routes. They can run through tackles just as well as they can run around them. You know, they got a ton of talent on this offense now. And eventually the dam breaks because you can't cover everybody. There's just too much speed and too much talent that someone's going to, you know, was Garrett Wilson this week. It might be Michael Carter next week or Elijah Moore or somebody else, but someone's going to be the odd man out in the game plan. And they're going to be able to capitalize on their matchups because there's just too much talent to cover everybody. And with Garrett in particular, you alluded to it, but, but the one thing for me that I've noticed with him immediately, even through the preseason, his first game, and then this past game against Cleveland as well, he looks exactly the same as he did at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He's running past people just as easily as he was in college. He's breaking tackles and, and not going down on first contact just like he was at Ohio State. That fade route, there's a clip that he ran in Ohio State where he ran the same fade from the same alignment from practically the same depth on the field, and he ran it the same way against a, a college corner and dusted an NFL DB all the same with the same route. He has completely translated to the pros. His skill set and what he is capable of has not skipped a beat going against NFL talent versus college, whatever you're seeing in Ohio State. And that's really, really encouraging. And like you were saying with the uh, rookie mistakes and the speed of the game and all of that, I think he's already clicking a little bit. 
because there was a clip on that final drive. And this is what I went back to. I mentioned this on Oklahoma drill yesterday, but it really stuck out to me. There's a second and 10 on the final drive before they get down to score the game winning touchdown. And LaFleur calls the exact same play that he called to score the touchdown later, a few plays further down. And it's this little like glance route from Garrett Wilson with a flat underneath from the tight end, kind of pulling the linebackers. And they called it against cover two. The Browns were in cover two again um, earlier on the second and 10. And Wilson kind of slow plays his route a little bit because he's waiting for the window to come open. He's waiting for the linebackers to expand. And he knows that he's going to sneak behind this linebacker and there's going to be a window. So he doesn't run his route full speed. He kind of does a little shuffle release off the line, drifts behind. And then once he gets behind the linebacker, you see him kind of explode a little bit, get out into the open. And he's there for a first down catch. He picks up like 14. Then you go to the game winner. And he knows that it's the red zone. The windows are tighter. and that. Pressure might be coming. The Browns might be blitzing. Even if they're not, the offensive line, we're hoping they did better this week, but we still don't want to leave, you know, Miles Garrett on George Fant one-on-one with the game on the line and hope that he can hold up for four seconds. So Garrett, and he said it himself after the game, and this is how I know it's intentional when he outright draws attention to it. This is what made me notice it in the first place. He said, I knew the coverage. We had already beat them with that route. I knew Flacco was probably going to be looking for me. So I sped my route up. And he watched the game winner. He gets off the line and he's going behind. The second he gets behind the linebacker, it's cut. No dancing, no hesitation. We're breaking out over the middle. Flacco knew before the ball was even snapped, that's where he was going with the ball. And Wilson's wide open for a touchdown. It's a tight little window for Flacco to hit. Flacco drills it, but he knew exactly what they wanted. He knew exactly when he had to get to his spot. And he did it on time, ran his route differently on the same play a few plays earlier. That's the cerebral cerebral aspect to me that shows that he's already, I'm not worrying about what route I'm running. I'm not worried about, do I know this play call? Do I know what my role is supposed to be? Do I know this coverage? He's passed all of that already. He knows what he's supposed to do. He knows what the coverage is. Now he's figuring out the nuances of how to beat it on that specific play. I think that bodes really well for the future. I'm really excited to see how Garrett Wilson progresses because the early returns have been nothing short of fantastic. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent on that. And again, it goes back to what I said. It's just going to open everything up. It's just going to open this whole offense up for everybody else. And Absolutely. the person that I think is going to benefit the most from it is going to be Berrios. And, and anybody who's listened to this show since we started, we are huge Braxton Berrios fans over here. Yes, sir. Um, and, and, and Jared did some wonderful things, but I'm going to go back to the defense and why the defense is just so critical. Scores 14, is, I think the score is 7-7 seven seven or 14-7. Uh, we get a fumble or we fumble the ball, give the ball up. That moment right there where Cleveland got the ball back, I think Chubb went around the corner, got a long run call back from holding on that same yep. drop. We were able to get the ball back. And then the offense came back and scored. So the defense definitely did their job, but the offense, the offense answered when 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 the team needed the offense to answer the most, the offense continued to answer. They continued to support this defense. And so, yes, I was hard on Flacco. Flacco was 26 for 44, 307 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. And here's the thing. You get a victory, all right? You played against a, a Baltimore Ravens front that is no slouch. You played against a Cleveland Browns front that's no slouch. With your third offensive tackle, who's a rookie starting, 
and you give up two sacks for 15 yards. You can't beat that. No. That right there, along with what the defense has done, are there's so many reasons. There's so many different. That's the best part about football and football being an ultimate team sport and where you can celebrate a team victories because you can look at so many different pieces and you can say that, hey, uh, uh, Gary did this, Brees did this, Carter did this on this play, Berrios did this on this on this play. And while I was talking about- Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. About the defense, when it came to tackling, DJ Reed. DJ Reed, talk about My it. Goodness, that's what I'm talking about. There Dog. was nothing cowardly about the way he played the game. Anybody that had that ball, he was coming to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to make sure that when he makes contact, that you're going down. And when you're playing against big backs like that, and I'm going to let you know just from a big backs perspective, I love watching. First thing I would look at is who are the safeties? Because most of the time, that's who's unblocked. There's an unblocked safety. And when I watched the film, I asked myself, okay, is this a guy that's going to come in and hit? Or is this a guy that's going to come in and he really doesn't want part of contact, things of that nature? The one thing that DJ Reed showed me is that he's a guy that, hey, whether he gets ran over or not, it does not matter. He's a guy that has the courage that he's going to come in there and sacrifice his body and he's going to make that tackle. And when the other defensive players around him, especially when you see a secondary player that's willing to come up and hit, what it does for everybody else on the defense is amazing. And I think that you were able to see that throughout throughout the course of this game. I completely and totally agree. I think DJ Reed's been the best player on the team over these past two weeks. If I had to say who's been their outright single best player, he's been by far their best defender, in my opinion. And I mm-hmm. think he might be their best overall player on the whole team. And that's a big reason why. He saves a touchdown on Nick Chubb early in the second half. Nick Chubb gets a pitch play. They, The Browns loved doing all of this. We're going to put three tight ends to one side, and then we're going to try and sneak something out the other way when the defense is all paying attention to all this strength of the formation, and they go the opposite way. DJ Reed saves a touchdown on a Nick Chubb pitch play to the left where he's getting blocked first off, and he's on the ground. And to have the ability and the speed and the awareness and and the fight and the grit and the effort to get up off the ground, track Chubb down, get him by the ankles and wrap him up and stop him in his tracks. If he doesn't make that tackle, the Jets don't win. They, they only won by one point. If the Browns were able to score a touchdown in that scenario instead of settle for a field goal, that's enough points for the Browns to win. This mm-hmm. is literally you don't win that game without DJ Reed. He is another play after the fumble. Uh, the offense is fumbled. The defense comes, recovers it. They're backed up in their own territory. They get a big run by Chubb. It gets called back by holding. Now it's third and long. DJ Reed is playing zone coverage. He's covering his outside receiver who's going vertical, and he's got the wherewithal to see that Brissett's throwing short. And so I don't need to keep covering this guy deep because the ball's already out and it's going short. He falls off his deep route, comes up, and lays the wood. Mm-hmm. on whatever Browns receiver it was that made the catch. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he comes up and sticks him and it's a stop on third and long. And the one thing that I can say that 
I completely and totally agree with you about the defense. Were they perfect? No. Are there things that they could improve in? Absolutely. But for those crunch situations, when the defense really needed to step up, they did. They never let the game get out of hand, and they never had where you save your offense. Your offense fumbles in plus territory in the red zone, and you turn it into a three and out and get them the ball right back. You limit them enough to hold them to a field goal, uh, make it a 17, you know, 17 point uh, round score instead of a 21 point round score. That Mm -hmm. allows the Jets to get their own field goal, keep the game tied, keep the game moving as things go on from there. There was a lot to love from this defense. I will say going forward for the future, and this is where I think people need to understand. I've seen a handful of people say that the pass rush was irrelevant and non-existent and they needed to get more pressure. True. By all means, I'm not trying to say that I was okay with the performance of the pass rush. <laughs> Definitely need some improvement. But I think the Browns might have one of the best O-lines in football, if not the best. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going against a team like that, you can understand not getting as much pressure as you normally would. We'll get into it later this week when we preview Cincinnati, but that's not going to be the case going against the Bengals. The Bengals have maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL, and you want to talk about going from an opponent up here to an opponent down here. I think you could see a 180 from this Jets D-line. Either way, I thought they played the run really well. I thought their secondary came downhill and made tackles. Kept Overall, they kept the game competitive, and it allowed the offense and the rest of the team to pull off that miracle comeback be able to get them into position and a quick shout out to the special teams unit. You have a fake punt that you convert early in the game that keeps your mm-hmm. offense going. That leads to your first touchdown. You have a 57 yard field goal from Greg Zerline towards the end. Of, uh, I don't know if it was towards the end of half or if it was when exactly, if it was like third quarter, but you get a 57 yard field goal. You recover an onside kick. You have an excellently placed onside kick that, that their special teams unit is able to recover. And then you hit the extra point at the end to give you the one point lead, which we saw from Cleveland. That's not so easy. That doesn't always happen. So DJ Reed had a a quote. I'm going to bring him up repeatedly because I just love the way he's played, but he had a quote in the locker room where he said, we haven't even played a full game yet as a team. We haven't even played a full game of complimentary football yet. And we're competitive and we're fighting. Look at what we're capable of now when we still had all of these mistakes that we could have gotten better on. Imagine Mm -hmm. what this team looks like when Zach Wilson's back and you have his explosive threat of the run game and his explosive arm talent to go with all of these, all of these weapons. When some of these younger players, some of these rookies on defense and some of these new additions on defense get into a groove and they start really able then the communication gets even better. The special teams continues to improve. This team could get scary. This team has could it can very easily get better than where they are now. And I want to get your opinion on this a lot because I we talked about this a little bit last week about what a win could do for this team. Mm-hmm. And now that they have one, I think this can be a springboard for them. Because all the nerves of when are the Jets going to win their first game in the first nine weeks, that's gone. All the mm-hmm. nerves of being a rookie and saying, when, is this the same old Jets? Am I ever going to win here? Are we going to be stuck doing this all over? That's gone. You can look back and, and hang your hat on your ability to say, we got one and we, we're capable. This happened for them so early in this season. I mm-hmm. think this is different than 
the Jets lose their first five games and they sneak out a win in week six and they get way too high on themselves. And the next week they come out completely flat and they're, they're nothing because they were just happy to get that one win. I think this happened early enough to kind of springboard them forward and put them in a position to say, look, we can do this. We just need, we can do this consistently. And even if they start to falter as the year goes on, they can always go back and look at this win and say, we're never out of it. We know we're never out of it. And I really think it's going to do a lot for the confidence of a young team. I'm really, really encouraged by that. I think as a player, yeah, you want to get that first win out the way. Um, But as a competitor, realistically, it was done against the Cleveland Browns with, you know, with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. And I say that not to put Jacoby down, but this is a reality of a guy who went from, you know, a team that went from Mayfield to Watson, Jacoby's your starter, things of that nature. Um, I like the quote from DJ Reed because what it's saying is what I'm hearing is a guy that played well, the team got the victory, but he's not satisfied with the victory. Nope. He, he's acknowledging how he's acknowledging that, yes, we played well enough to win this game, but like we can be so much better. Exactly. So, so that right there for me is, is bigger than just the win for the Browns, because how many times have you seen teams, they get a win and, you know, they act like they won a Super Bowl or, or, you know, Oh, we just came across. No, what I see is a team who knows what I hear is a team who knows that they can be better. They got a, a, a win. Um, they were able to get a win stopping what the team does to get a win. And that's making sure that you don't allow them to run the ball down your throat. And overall, it was a team win. It was a team win. Absolutely. Special, special teams came through when they needed to come through. All right. The defense was the heartbeat of the, of the, of the team. It was the heartbeat of the game. And the offense supported the defense. The offense scored plays and they made, they scored touch, they scored points and they made plays when they absolutely needed to make plays. And, and here's a stat that I'm going to give you that, that is, this is the tell of the tape for me. If we go back thinking about last week and then we look at this week, third down efficiency, we were eight for 15 down. I mean, we were eight, 15, we were eight for 15 on third down. And yes, Cleveland was eight for 12 on third down. But when we're talking about offense supporting what your defense is doing, and we talked about it, I believe, on the last show, we can't have a bunch mm-hmm. of three and outs. You know, we can't have a bunch of three and outs. <clears throat> and so that right there, not only did we get the win, it got better in a critical, critical category that was significant to them supporting the defense and what they were doing with a player that's been playing lights out, who at the end of the game acknowledged how well they played, but in so many words saying, we, we, we got a long ways to go and we have nothing but time and we're excited to do it. So I, I'm really, just the way the game was played. If you just take away your rooting for any team, if you're just a fan of football, man, that was just such a great game to watch, man. It was exciting. There was nothing boring about it. You saw two teams that nobody that that outside of your respective fans that you're irrelevant to everybody else. Let's just call it what mm-hmm. it is to have a football game that was played that was that good. And your team come out with the victory, man. My hat goes off to those guys. Job well done. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And the thing with going back to DJ Reed again, they know they can get better. They know that they have room for improvement. And I think that 
even going from last week to this past week, they go eight for 15 on third down against Cleveland. They started 0 for 9 against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. There's a, an immediate drastic improvement from there. I thought the offensive line rebounded really well. You only yes. give up two sacks, one of which you, your only sack given up to Miles Garrett was a miscommunication that left him unblocked. That I'm not so sure. Why I honestly don't know how that happened because it almost looked like an RPO action from the offensive line. You got a tight end to the same side as Miles Garrett, and the tight end and the tackle ignore it. So unless their plan was we're going to block Miles Garrett one on one with Tyler Conklin, which I don't think was the case, there had to be some sort of other miscommunication or something going on that led to him coming unblocked. He didn't outright whip George Fant for a sack and, you know, you did what you could. They were chipping the heck out of him. Max Mitchell being a rookie, giving up a strip sack to Chevy and Clowney. Not ideal, but I thought that Clowney had to get within a fingertip of a reach to swipe that ball away. It's not like he came clean and just decleated Flacco and that's how the ball got out. Blacko's mm-hmm. running a three-step drop. It's not like he can really step up immediately. He's got the timing of the throw. He's going to make a throw to his right. He can't be drifting to his left and stepping up and trying to throw to his right off a three-step drop when he's already got his cleats in the ground. So I mm-hmm. think there's room for improvement. There was also things that were improved. And it yeah. really speaks to me from the coaching staff to be able to say, okay, what was our problem? What do we need to do to be better? And in one week, you see an improvement. Was it completely fixed? Was every problem gone? No, not at all. I still think there's some problems in the back end with the safeties and communication. I'm still really bullish on Jordan, uh, not Jordan Whitehead, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, um, and how LaMarcus Joyner is playing in coverage. I think that you need to see more consistency from the offense overall. And it's I feel like their offense right now is a little bit too big play dependent, where mm-hmm. I want to see a little more consistency of let's get our quick game going early or let's really establish the run inside and may not be the Browns were the team to do it. And I thought they ran pretty well for the most part, but there's room to get better. And I Mm -hmm. think going forward, the one thing to really focus on is like you're saying, they got this win. It's great for confidence. It's great for the young players to know what that feels like to give themselves confidence and feel capable, but they have room to improve. And they shouldn't be satisfied after this week. I think, not to get too far ahead of ourselves before we preview uh, Cincinnati, I think you have an opportunity to make a statement to the rest of the league this week against the Bengals. I think you have a real opportunity to, to show the world that these aren't the same old Jets and that this is the beginning of improvement and, for lack of a better phrase, a new era. I really think that I'm, I could talk all day about this. I think this win means so much to this team. I, I just, in my head, the scenario of what if they were 0-2 and, and now you're back at home and is the crowd at MetLife going to have the same energy that they would have now after this crazy win and all these rookies that are going to have to hear the same old Jet stuff. I know for players, and you've definitely had filled me in on this more, speaking with you in our time, players don't really bother much about the noise nearly as much as the fans do. And they care a lot more about what's going on in the building than they do outside of anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But now in the building, you're not hoping, you know, mm-hmm. you're not hoping that you're good enough. You're not hoping or thinking that we're good enough to get a win or good enough to be competitive. Now, you know, you're competitive. And I mm-hmm. think that brings a whole different mindset from the building with guys like DJ Reed at the top having that mindset of we get, we know what we're capable of. We proved it. Now let's do better. I'm 
I really think this is going to springboard them. I can't think of any other phrase, but I'm really, really confident after what I saw on Sunday. Because miracle or otherwise, the fact that they even had the heart to try and to stay in it, that says a lot to me, and I think it's going to bode well for the future. I, I never questioned the heart or the willingness of this team to try. Because that's one thing that we talked about last year is that regardless of what the score is, is that those guys are going to come out there and they're going to play. They're going to ball out. I think that what we see is that the second game of the season, you have two franchises that that are, are where they are. And at the end of the day, the better team won. Because I think overall, we are the better team. That's why looking coming into preseason, I had our first win being against the Browns because I just thought that we would be the better team. Um, with that said, the things that when I watched the film from this game that they have to improve on is the secondary in their filling lanes. Even on one of the touchdowns where he bounced outside, the ends do a great job of showing yeah. a payout. Yeah. Right. But we have to get those, those, those linebackers. We have to, especially if the, the secondary, whether it's the corners or the safeties, they have to do a better job of coming in and filling those lanes. And so I, I, I think, I think getting the win was just the next step getting the early win was just the next step in in the direction that the franchise is going now with that said how good you are is not going to be measured by beating the cleveland browns because now you have the cincinnati Bengals, and so that is as a player now i'm saying okay we beat the browns all right now that's a team that's that's for the most part is one dimension now you're about to play the Bengals. This is a team that can throw the ball and they still have a dominant running back. And, and I'm sure that he's on a lot of fantasy teams. So this is just the next step. And that's why the comment that DJ Reed made is, is critical because there's so many times that, like I said before, guys don't respond to, to wins like this and, and, and see it for what it is. It's a win against a, a team that you should beat first and foremost. Um, it's early in the season, but now that win is over with. Now, right now, those guys are are looking at the film and the coaches are looking at the film and they're saying that, yes, we got the win, but this is going to get us beat against Pittsburgh. This is going to get us beat against uh, Cincinnati. This is going to be get us beat against Miami. And I'm really interested in seeing how they perform this upcoming week. I think the D line. I think the D line got enough pressure on Brissett. I think that in the back end, we can help that out a little bit by playing our coverage a little bit tighter. Because most of the time, what I saw was the D-line was keeping a nice pocket. I mean, they they were keeping him nicely contained. There were times that he was able to escape the pocket that we did lose some contain, but he had to right. put in some work. It's not like it was oh, yeah. just a slide up and go do this. No, he was doing all of these different things. So I think that the D-line played well enough and that they applied enough pressure I think that we can help that out in the back end by bringing these guys up a little more because most of the time when he was able to take the snap, whether from shotgun or under center, set his feet and throw, the coverage was soft. So I think that we can help them out with that. But all in all, I think that the D-line, yes, there are areas that they can get better, but I do think that they did a great job of, of, of putting enough pressure on him that that a little more assistance from yeah. the second can help that situation out. No, I agree. And this is actually a question I, I was waiting to ask you because I figured you'd be able to answer this better than I would, where I know what the problem was, but I'm not quite sure who's at fault, if that makes any sense. That's where I was hoping you could figure things out for me. 
One thing I noticed with the Jets in this past game was on third down, whenever they would be in man coverage, especially on third and shorts, their DBs would be further off the line of scrimmage than you would hope. And so I know one in particular that there was a third down conversion uh, to David Njoku, where LaMarcus Joyner's in man coverage on the left. And it's, I think, a third and two and Joyner's five yards off. Mm-hmm. And there's another play later in the game where I think it's another third and two and Amari Cooper's on Sauce Gardner. And we talked about that matchup. And, and I think Amari definitely had a couple of plays where he got Sauce as the rookie and got him for what he was. But I don't think Sauce got completely destroyed or roasted either to where it was. We're all sitting here going, you know, Amari dunked on him. Mm-hmm. But there was another, but that play as well. It's third and short. And Sauce is like four or five yards off. And so my question is the coach makes the play call. Obviously, Ulbrich is the one sending the call in to the defense. They're the ones figuring things out. But in terms of alignment and technique, do you think that the coaches are specifically saying plant at five yard depth on third and two in this situation? Or do you think that that's where those players were choosing to align themselves? And Ulbrich's call was, we're going to be in man, you cover him in man. Because I'm sitting here from my situational football brain going, it's third and two get up on these receivers. Mm-hmm. Don't give them the free release to the inside to where if you're David Njoku and you're six, five, two, forty, you going against five, nine, LaMarcus Joyner, that you can box him out on the inside and, and win the route immediately. And even though Joyner comes up and lays a good hit and tries to dislodge the ball, wasn't anything he can do where if you're sauce Gardner on the other side, you're giving a free inside release to Amari Cooper and you're having to, you know, drop your T-step and fire off the ball to meet him in the hole. And again, you make the tackle, it's a limited gain, but it gives up a first down because you gave all of this free space to the inside. Is that at the fault of the players for not understanding the situation and adjusting their technique? Or is that the fault of the coaches for telling them to align in that certain technique? And if no one really has that idea to where, you know, Ulbrich doesn't say, go ahead and do this, and the players don't notice, then who's really at blame? Because I feel like the play calls themselves were fine, but it was the technique and how they were executed that was the problem. I would say this, um, with anything, whether you're breaking the huddle on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball, the first thing you get is your alignment. There's a certain alignment that you have. And so I have to operate from the assumption that if they're lining up at a certain depth pre-snap, that that's where the coach wants them to line up at. And that was my thought. That's what I thought. I just didn't know that for sure. Yeah. Now, with that said, once that ball is snapped, it's on you as a player. And that's where that's where understanding your opponent, third and five and less in these formations, these are the route combinations that they like to go with. So if a coach lines me up at five yards and I'm playing man to man and the percentages are high that this person is running the slant, then it's my job as a player to make sure that I get to where I need to get to. It's no different than me as a back and pass protection. All right. If I know that versus a certain defense that they like to bring certain pressures, it's my job from my alignment to get to where I need to get to in order to do my job. So once the ball is snapped, it's on you as a player to do your job. Now, this is a situation where sauce is a rookie. All right. So as a rookie coach, say line up at this depth, I'm going to line up at this depth. Now you get yourself a more seasoned vet. They may identify this as man to man based off of my film study. I'm going to go ahead and line up at two. 
I'm going to go ahead and line up at three. Or I'm going to line up at five, but at the snap of the ball, I'm going to play it a different way. Yeah, so I'll line up at five, and I'll creep with two seconds yeah, going down yeah. on the play clock, and I'll creep up a yard and a half. And, yeah, that's what I was waiting to see, and that's why I was so confused because Joyner didn't do it either because Joyner is the vet. Joyner is the, the guy that should be recognizing it's third and two. I'm on a tight end and man coverage. You know, he's got a huge size advantage on me where he's going to be able to box me out and get this first down for free. If I don't get up in his face and I'm still going to align five yards off. So that mm-hmm. to me is where this is, that was, you confirmed exactly what I was thinking, which was that the, the point of the alignment to start was a call from Ulrich, but then mm-hmm. it's on the veteran players for not doing their slight adjustments to make that slightly easier for them. And that, do you want to be going against your coaches? No. But I don't think that going, you know, outright like changing the play call and saying, I'm going to freelance and I'm going to do something different and not run the coverage that I'm supposed to be running is a heck of a lot different than choosing yourself as a player, the technique in which you execute that coverage. And so if there's a specific way for you to pull off that coverage better as a veteran, then I think it's on you as a veteran to do that. That's why you're, you know, you want your players to be cerebral as much as you want them to be athletes and so i really hope that going forward that that's something that we see improve because you can't just be giving up their downs for free you can't but you also have to look at it from this standpoint where let's say just as as a defensive coordinator i'm sorry just as an offensive coordinator i have to understand the, t- the tendencies of the defense all right and vice versa it's a situation that coming into it that yeah maybe you want to play man but <clears throat> they run a route concept that's a man beater where now guys can get picked. And so in a situation like that, now you may be in man, but you have to play off a little bit because if they run a particular route combination, somehow you all are going to get picked. And by playing off a little bit, as you see the route combination, you can drive on it where you're not picking one another off. There's just so many different ways that you can play it. So first and foremost, the coach, the coach is going to call in the, whichever defense or offense they want. From there, as a player, you get into your proper alignment. And once that ball is snapped, you have a job to do. So once that, once the ball is now, if it's third and two and you're telling me that, hey, listen, the coach this week said that when we're in man and they line up in this formation, that he wants us to line up seven yards off the ball and then drive on a two-yard slant route. That's just poor coaching. But in the situation where it's, hey, it's three and two, you know, you're playing them at five yards, you got man, it's on you to just be able to drive on the ball. Now, you as a player, you have to go out there and make the necessary mm-hmm. adjustments. And I, like I tell my players, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball, if I say I want you to play off two, three or four yards and you decide to press and you get beat, you just might as well come over to the bench. All right. So as a player, especially on the defensive side of the ball, whether, you know, if especially in a man-to-man situation, if the coach says during the week, hey, in these situations, I want us to play five yards off, but you line up at three or four yards off the ball and you get picked or something happens, it's always going to come back to you were not lined up where you were supposed to be. So I think there's a give and take with that. The coach is going to call in the play. They trust you as a player to go out there and execute the play to the best of your abilities. And if you do anything outside of what you were coached to do, it better work. Yeah, no, I agree. And I want to be very clear that by no means am I trying to sit here and say, oh, this is a terrible job by Ulbrich for telling his players to line up at this depth. Or am I trying to say, oh, this is an awful decision by Joyner or Sauce to, to not get in and press and say, screw Ulbrich, I'm doing this anyway. 
I just was wondering, cause it happened like two or three times in the game at where does the, like you're saying tendencies where you have your pre-snap idea, you have your film study throughout the week of getting an idea of what they're, the Browns are going to do. Now you're in the actual game. Now mm-hmm. you've given up a handful of third downs because of this in similar play calls. That was my question of, okay, how, where do we adjust from here? And yep. you're a hundred percent right. In terms of the coaches, the coach would rather have call the play and have the players execute it the way that he designed it and get beat and be wrong than have a player freelance and do something completely wrong that they called to avoid. Where mm-hmm. if you're telling them, like you said, have these guys at five-yard depth and someone presses and gets picked and it leads to a rub over the middle that's wide open, well, that's why they told you to be five yards off. So mm-hmm. that's, that's completely understandable. This was a nitpick for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're looking at things going future with the NFL, the NFL is such a tight game that you can only, you know, only do so much before someone's going to take advantage of your mistakes. Mm-hmm. We saw that the other way where the Browns had kept allowed the jets to stay in the game for so long that they, they don't kneel it out. They go around the corner and Nick Chubb scores at the end and gives them the ball back. A couple of small miscues can make or break the game. Yeah. And so I really think that going forward, you have to be nitpicky. If the Jets want to be good, they have to be nitpicky. You can't just, you know, you can't just say, oh, it'll be okay. Or, oh, it's no big deal. Everything has to be a big deal, even if it may not be as big of a deal than other things. Mm -hmm. But I'm to end here. I'm so encouraged by this win. Mm -hmm. And I think the fans should be. I think the players should be. I think the coaching staff should be. I think this is just a, a breath of fresh air and a huge sigh of relief Mm -hmm. where especially being in New York, you don't have to worry about the media downpour of your are and two again, same old jets and, and, you know, everything else. The jets get a week of celebration. The jets get a week to be the storybook team that everyone talks about. And I'm hoping for these players more so the veterans that have been here for a long time, there may not be that many of them left, but the handful that are, I'm thinking Quinn and Williams, I'm thinking CJ Mosley, I'm thinking, you know, uh, George Fant, guys like that. They should want to feel this more. They haven't got to feel what it's like to be the winners in a long time in their careers, where I think Quinn and Williams had said this was the first time in his Jets career they won a game before October. Mm. I think they're going to be motivated to keep that going. Yeah, I don't think they're going to want to give that up. And yeah. I think you're going to have – the veterans at the top that are going to be leading the charge of that was good, but we're not good enough and we need to be better to keep this going. And I think you got the young players that are now ready to fall in line and follow because they've felt themselves too. And they have some confidence in what they're capable of. I really think this can be a, a franchise shifting win and I'm really not trying to get too big on it, but, but the fact that it happened so early and the fact that it happened in the fashion that it did, yes, it was the Cleveland Browns, but I don't think the Jets are sitting here going, we're ready to take on the Super Bowl contenders because we beat the Browns. If that's yeah. what I was hearing from them, I'd be concerned. But that's not what yeah. I'm hearing. I'm hearing a, we did good, we're capable, okay, we got it, everyone's on board, we see what we can do, now let's go be better. And I think that's going to really hold well for the future. Yeah, I agree with, with that. And for players who've been there for a while, and hey, this is my first time winning before October. Yes, something like that year, they're definitely going to try to hold on to. And the best part about one of the great things about this victory is now you get the Cincinnati Bengals coming in next week. 
and for our next show, and we'll have a breakdown and a, and a preview of that Bengals game. Games like this. So, yes, you got the win against the Browns, but if, if, if you want to talk about something that is franchise-shifting, now you have to go out there and you have to improve on what you have to improve on and go out there and beat a Bengals team who remembers what you did last year. Yep, And is desperate after starting 0-2. Yes, have a lot of people on that team that they were just in the Super Bowl last year. I think this will be a good way to end. It's the mindset through this week. The Bengals were just in the Super Bowl, and now they're 0-2. They're the only Mm -hmm. team in the league this year to never hold a lead at any point over their first two games. They are free-falling. They are completely and totally spiraling over these first couple of weeks. And if they want to avoid completely and totally falling off the cliff, they're looking at New York going, there's our get-right game. There's our revenge game. They embarrassed us last year. We got to be angry. If we can't go out there and beat the brakes off these jets, then we might not be anything for anything. And I think you're going to get the Bengals in desperation mode. So you got to be fully prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And, and you will hear more. um, Everybody hear more about that as we get ready um, for our preview of the Cincinnati Bengals game, man, drew all in all at the end of this game, I was just so happy that they got the win. And yes, it was exciting to hear DJ Reed uh, comment the way he did. It just comes back to the leadership. Yep. Coach Sauce is just doing a great job, and you're seeing his players take on his mentality. And remember before when we talked about uh, the receipts, you know, coaches, coaches, is, mm-hmm. is receipts, and how you felt that was a message to his team. His team came and responded. They heard. Yep. They heard, and they came out there and responded. And again, the defense, the defense, these players that we have on the defensive side of the ball, they are doing a, a they are doing a tremendous job. And there are so many areas that they can get better at. And the more that we can continue to stack up victories, the more time it gives sauce, the more time it gives breeze, the more time it gives all of these rookies that opportunity to make their mistakes and come back and watch the film with a win opposed yep. to having six or seven losses by the time uh, you get exactly to you're like okay well you know damn well what, math, we, what are we still playing for we got 10 weeks left of the season yeah. but why yeah. are we still here exactly exactly and so um i'm excited about the victory take my hat off to the jets take my hat off to Saul. and um for all the jets fans we've been saying it we have been saying it you have a reason to be excited about this Jets team and the, and the direction that the franchise is headed in. Um, make sure everybody, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Staples and I'm going to go get me some receipt paper. <laughs> so that I can, <laughs> so I can give that to coach. So he can go ahead. All these people that's, that's talking, go ahead and rip and take it in. Great win by just, the Jets. Go buy, go buy one item at Walgreens. You'll have a receipt this big. You'll be perfectly fine. We'll exactly. Stock up for the year. Uh, exactly. No, I, I'll... Job. 100%. To end, I'm going to echo exactly what you just said, where we've been saying it for a long time. There's reason to be hopeful. There's reason to be optimistic. There's reason to to look and believe that this is not just going to be a repeat of what we've seen for so long. And I know for fans of this team, it's been so long that it's easy to just assume that, that, you know, you slightly get your hopes up and, and you know, things will change. I really think it's different this time. I really do. And I think this win... Adam Gase's Jets don't win like that. 
Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles' Jets don't win like that. Rex Ryan's Jets don't win like that. Mm-hmm. They would have gotten down on themselves way too early. The second things would have been going wrong, the second there would have been any sense of disaster, there would have been no ability to reset. And I think to encapsulate it perfectly, Garrett Wilson drops a third down late in the game. Garrett Wilson, coached by Rex Ryan, probably would have been in the doghouse. Wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to go out again. Garrett Wilson, coached by Adam Gase, wouldn't have even been targeted. But he gets a a crucial drop and is able to rebound. And not only did he have the belief in himself that he was going to come back, the coaches had the belief in him that he was going to come back. And when the game was on the line, when they needed to go out and score and complete this improbable comeback, they looked at Garrett Wilson. They trusted Mm -hmm. in him again, and he backed it up. And so I'm, there's a lot to be encouraged by. I am so, so happy they got this win. Fans should be absolutely ecstatic that they got this win. And at the end of the day, regardless of how the future goes, I'm going to be able to look back on this game and, with, and be very happy. I'm going to be able to look back on this game and, and love what I get to remember because I'll remember the, the drastic shift of sitting there, sulking on the couch, pissed off, ready to scream at the refs for all the bad calls that they had. Now we don't even have to talk about it. We go through the whole review, and this is the first I'm mentioning of the rest because, as we like to say, Lamont, winning cures all. Mm-hmm. Winning yes, cures it. all, and, and we're ready to go into next week against Cincinnati. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring as well. We will be back real soon later this week to break down the Cincinnati Bengals game. I'm going to give you guys a quick spoiler. I'm predicting a big, big Jets win. Well, I will tell you this for all the fans. um, Be sure to listen in for um, our picks of the Cincinnati Bengals game. Drew and I both picked the Jets to win on the money line. The fellas came through. And uh, we're going to have some other picks for you. So be sure to uh, listen out for us, look out for us as we do our preview for the Cincinnati Bengals game. You can catch me at Coach Jordan 34 on Twitter, Lamont Jordan underscore 34 on Instagram. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 on Twitter as well. Make sure you guys are also following the show at B-L-E-A-B underscore in underscore Jets. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back real soon. And thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. Bye-bye. Peace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.